this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Well, today's going to be a little different. You can kick up the lights a little bit, whoever's back there. DJ's up here, I think. Um, so uh, normally I've got the sermon, I got the notes, I got all the plans that we're ready to go, but the Lord doesn't want to do that this morning in that way. Um, and so I've got a couple stories for you, and, uh, and I hope that the Lord just uses those to radically change your identity this morning. Um, because he's in that business, and we can trust him with it. Amen? We can trust him in changing who we are. And, uh, and we've been in this series on offense, and, uh, and I want to open the floor for a minute. Now, they, they tell you in seminary that you never open the floor on a Sunday morning. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but you gotta, you got to think about what you're going to do. But I believe that the Lord wants to share through people, and I've got some stories that have happened in the last five weeks of things that I've had to deal with. And if there's somebody that's gotten freedom in the last few weeks, I just want you to stand up and come up here and we'll share. We'll get a mic and, and share it. Um, if you haven't been changed at all in the last five weeks, then um, we're just going to have a sabbatical time and uh, we're going to do something different. So anyway, has anybody had any wins with the Lord on a fence? Anyone. Anyone. Well, then I'll move on and I'll start putting in the 30-day or 30-Sunday plan on offense because I'm telling you, offense is the reason why the church is stuck. It's why we're stuck. How many of you have dealt with offense in the last five weeks? Raise your hand. Everybody in the room, but nobody wants to talk about it, right? So, Here's the thing. I don't care if you come up here and talk about it. That's not the big deal. The big deal is that you're dealing with it, right? The big deal is that you're dealing with it. And as throughout the last five weeks, I cannot tell you how many coffees and breakfasts and lunches and pounds I've put on meeting with people here in this house and not even just here, other churches all around. I was, I was up in Maslin yesterday dealing with this stuff. It's happening because people are watching and they're hearing what's going on and they're saying, wow, there's something in my life that is keeping me from all that God has for me and I want to get rid of it. I want to get rid of it. And, and so I want, to, I want to categorize, I don't want this up here since no one's coming up. Um, thank you. I'm going to categorize and make it very practical for you what you've been dealing with. And I'm doing this because I've sat with many of you or called on the phone. And I want to, I put it in three categories. So if you don't know, if, if you don't know where your offense lies, I'm going to put it in three categories for you. I'm going to tell you two stories. God's going to wreck your life. And then we're going to go to lunch. Okay. So here are the three categories that I have found in the last five weeks dealing with all the different offenses that, that have come up. Okay. And, and this may offend you, if you let it, um, but they're pretty simple. They're pretty simple. And the first one that is super big is imaginary offenses. 
people have gotten all bent out of shape for things that didn't even happen. Didn't happen to them, didn't happen about them. They're just offended because it's an imaginary thing. And when you sit down and talk with them and you try to dig into what it is, they just come up with, I don't know. I'm just offended about that. Now, if the enemy can use your imagination to offend you and stop you from being productive in the kingdom, then we need to change our imagination and start imagining things that God wants us to imagine and start putting the power behind that. So the first one is imaginary, and there is a story about an imaginary offense in Scripture. It comes to you in 1 Samuel 13. Saul is anointed to be king, and then that's taken away from him, and David is like doing the good uh, understudy, right, in the Scripture. David's doing the right things. He's doing what the Lord's saying. He's showing up in the right places, and Saul gets offended for nothing, for nothing. He is completely offended for nothing, and what does it cost him? everything he has an imaginary offense with David and it cost him everything there are imaginary offenses in the room this morning probably that haven't been dealt with because I see this this series on offense as peeling back an onion in your life you peel one back there's another one <laughs> and you peel another one back and then you find an imaginary one um, that that was doing this so I got to go to Buffalo last week and hang out with like 26 Bethel kids, which was totally awesome. You talk about people on fire. Uh, we're we're going to walk through the city. We're going to hand out some food, and we're going to watch some people get healed. That's what we were up, up to. So it was very powerful, very awesome. But I also had some time uh, with our friends up at Vanguard and, uh, and did, uh, did a sozo for myself just to get my own soul clear, you know. Um, you carry stuff you don't even know, and when you minister to a couple hundred people, you carry a lot of stuff. And so I just had to dump some of that stuff off. But in that process, I uncovered some imaginary offenses. Isn't that wild? Your pastor had imaginary offenses. And so, so I, had to, I had to actually forgive myself. And then I had to forgive the people that I had the imaginary offense about. And then I had to get my heart right in all those situations. And then I'm completely changed. You can ask my family. I'm a completely different person. But those were imaginary ones. Those were ones that just, you know, I thought something, but the thought was wrong. Have you ever thought wrong? Yeah, and then, and then it, it just clogs up your, your productivity in your life. But there's another one that I've come across that I think derails a lot of people. Uh, this, this would probably be probably the biggest one of the three, but it's not the most potent one of the three, but it's the biggest one. The, the second one is accidental offenses. Have you ever done something on accident and somebody got offended? Come stand up here for a week. You'll say something accidentally that will set somebody off. And then they are accidentally offended. I didn't mean to offend you, but you got offended at me and now there's this wall that's between us. And this offense, it just continues to grow. And it continues to grow because it's not dealt with. And see, in the church, we haven't been bold enough to actually do what Scripture says and go handle the offense and tear down the wall and then get back to normal. And so this accidental offense um, has happened, and, and I've heard tons of stories about it, even about me over the last five weeks about how I've offended people accidentally. Um, but here's the thing. If I have said something or done something that offends you and you don't come and talk to me about it, how do you know if it was accidental or if I really meant to offend you? Right? So, so if you come to me and you say, Pastor Rob, 
this situation that happened, you were involved in, and it offended me, then I have the, I have the ability at that point to say, had no clue. So now you know what category it's in. I wasn't intentionally trying to offend you. I just had no clue. But here's the thing. People can be bound in that for years and years and years and years. Years and years. Over something that had nothing to do with you. Just you got offended about an accident that happened. And so these things are little triggers. And we've talked about that, that the trip stick is offense. This is what actually releases the the emotions that actually kill you. The trip stick, the offense is what, it doesn't kill you. The offense is what releases the bitterness, the anger, the frustration, the, all the emotions you can think of that derail you. And so if you have an imaginary offense, that's a trip stick, and it can set the trap right on your neck. If you have an accidental offense because you, the person didn't even know and you took offense to it, that's the trip stick. It can actually tear apart all your relationships. It can ruin your marriage. Tear it all down. Now, the hardest part is knowing that sometimes you have to forgive yourself because you assume something. And so the enemy wants to keep the church in turmoil all the time, in turmoil. It just wants to keep it stirred up. You know, the, the, the crazy stuff that goes on in church politics and all this stuff, he just wants it all stirred up all the time. And he uses imaginary offenses and he uses accidental offenses to keep people all stirred up. And so what, what we're doing now is we're calling him out. Amen? We're calling him out and we're saying, listen, we're not going to be offended at anything. What does that scripture say? Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Now, those two, everybody in the room has dealt with. I think we've all dealt with all three. But this one is a little more devious, the third one. That is someone who actually means to offend you. They are literally actually trying to offend you. Now, that one's a little harder because they aren't changing because they're actually meaning to do it. When someone approached me about something that I did accidentally, I was able to apologize because I had no clue I did it. But these people, these people are the ones that actually mean to offend you and they're stepping into your life to offend you. That's a lot harder. It's a heavier weight on your life because they're not going to change. Well, hopefully they do, but they're not in the moment changing. And so we pray for them. We, uh, we try to minister to them. We try to love them. We, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit will change their heart, but honestly, he's probably just going to change yours. And so the actual offense that some of us carry, we have to learn how to process that because if we can't process an actual offense, then we're going to carry that and it's going to multiply. And so I want to talk to you about some opportunities where you can be just innocently offended, just, you know, sometimes where you don't even know that you carry an offense because it's just so much out there. Maybe it happened when you were young and you didn't even understand it. You couldn't even process it. You know, as the world gets darker, our kids get more junk put in their head, right? And so they can be offended. They can be offended at church. 
They can be offended at anything because the world is continually trying to put this in there. Maybe their offenses are imaginary. Maybe they're accidental. Or maybe there's people out there actually trying to offend our kids. It's wild. It's wild. So what we have to do is we have to learn how to put a good defensive shield up so that we can actually stop the offense. Amen? I'm going to tell you two quick stories here this morning. I, I played basketball a lot whenever I was younger, and we were over playing volleyball last night with the young adults, and uh, one, of the, one of the guys that I played basketball with all through high school, he was there, and, uh, and we were talking about we played really good defense, really good defense. In fact, one of the games, the team didn't score till the, till the beginning of the second quarter. Uh, the, whole, the whole first quarter, they didn't score at all. We've just played great defense. But one thing about a great defense is it turns into easy points. It turns into easy points because if you can stop them from scoring, more than likely you're going to be able to go to the other end of the floor and get a fast break and win. Now, here's my, here's my theory. I'm just going to throw it out there. That if we build a good defense because we have a great thought process about we're not ever going to get offended because we love the word of God. If we build that great defense against the enemy's attacks, then it opens up the opportunity that we can deal him defeat. The question is, are you willing to go after him and get what he stole back? Because for some of you in the room, it's been 20 years of being offended and you're, you're now good. You got rid of it. You're cool. But now it's time to go get what he stole back. Are we going to do that? That's the question. So we talked last week about Paul, and he is he's defending himself uh, in the courts in Acts 24, and uh, all these accusations and, and all this stuff, and, and he's saying, listen, I have to govern my own life. I have to manage my own life so that I don't get offended at man, and I don't get offended at God. And that is something that we have to keep. Now, you can have an imaginary offense with God. You can have an accidental offense with God, but you'll never have an actual offense with God because he's not here to offend you. So it's got to be one or the other two. And the interesting thing about the first two is they're your problem and my problem, not anybody else's problem. And so if you're offended with God this morning, it's your problem. It's your problem. It's your thoughts. It's, it's your situational perspective that has made you offended at God. It's not, it's not him because he's out to help you, not hurt you. And so none of us in the room, we're, we're going to settle this right now, none of us in the room are exempt from being offended or at least having the temptation to be offended. So I want to I talk to you about a scripture here. Jesus gives us the greatest example, and then I want to talk about the church after Jesus and how they dealt with all this. But if you turn with me to John 5, you know the story. Jesus is walking by a pool. Now, we're talking about offense, so I want you to keep your antenna up for what being offended could do in each one of these stories. If you, if you don't have a defense mechanism up for offense, where can offense enter into your life as we read these stories? Because you've all been in this situation. So, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. 
You get the picture? I, I often think about, you read the scripture, now I haven't been to, to Israel, I want to go. Um, I've had lots of opportunities to go, I just haven't pulled the trigger. But I was talking with a local pastor here who goes all the time and he's like, you'll never read the scripture again. He goes, they told me that and I didn't think that and then I went and that's the truth. But I want you to begin to think about Jesus walking down through Dover. And there's a place in Dover where the pool is stirred and when people get in, they get healed. Okay? And he's walking around with his disciples and he's saying, he goes by this place. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows this place. The, the waters are stirred. People get healed. Okay? In these, in the five porches, lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the waters. So they're all sitting there, right? On the square in Dover, and there's a puddle, and it's going to move, and they're all going to jump in, and they're going to try. The first one in gets healed. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred the waters. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the waters was made well of whatever disease they had. What an amazing thing. We can look at it in Israel. Think about it right here in this city. Right here in this city. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. He's almost 40 years old. We don't know, probably over 40, but he had this infirmity for a long time. Now, how many people in 38 years had jumped in the water and walked away? Bible doesn't tell us. A lot. A lot of people came and went, and he's still sitting by the pool. A lot of people. Have you ever been to a service in which the Holy Spirit's moving People are getting touched, and you're standing there saying, why not me? Why not me? Have you ever walked out of that service and thought, hmm, I wonder if I should go to the next one, because I didn't get that one. You're offended at him. We have to get mature, people. We have to get mature because God wants to raise up a, an army of people who are not offended at him because when we're offended at him, we can't be productive in the kingdom. Now, now am I scolding you for that? No, because I've had the same thing. I've walked out of services and been like, Lord, come on. Oh, I smell cheese. <laughs> have you ever walked out of a service and it smells like cheese? Yeah, are you going to get trapped? I don't know. Let's keep reading. When Jesus saw him lying there and that he had already that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, "Do you want to be made well?" Amen. Do you want to be made well? The Lord will ask you your perspective. Remember I said if, if you figure out the defense, it creates an offense so that you can go after the enemy and you can go after what he wants or what he stole from you? Have you ever thought that some people just don't want to be well? They're okay being sick because 
Being sick is their identity. Being sick is, I'm the guy by the pool. That's why Jesus clarified, because it's our faith joined with his faith that produces heaven to come into our life. If we aren't going to step in, he's already done all he's ever going to do. So he asked him that question. Verse 7, the sick man answered him saying, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps in front of me. Have you ever had an opportunity to blame somebody else? I, I read this story and I'm like, okay, first of all, he's at the pool and all these people come in, go out, come in, go out, and it's amazing, like things are happening, but he ain't taking part in it, so uh, he had an opportunity to be offended. Number two, Jesus asked him a question to a lame man who's been there for 38 years, do you want it? Well, can you be offended at that? Of course I want it, right? Man, there's two opportunities for offense right there. And then he says, no one else will help me. Man, that's strike number three. In this story, there's three opportunities to be offended. In verse eight, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, if you are offended with Jesus, you don't get up and walk away. And I believe that we have a church, not just this church, but the global church, that has been offended with the Lord for some crazy things. Maybe they're imaginary, maybe they're accidental, but they're offended with the Lord because of some preacher said something 20 years ago or something happened or I didn't get healed on the first time whenever they prayed for me and I walked away from the church. My pastor did something stupid and I walked away from the church. We're all human, I'm just telling you, but you are probably, as the church, we've been offended accidentally. We've been offended imagination in our imagination. We've just imagined offense. And you know what? We know the third one doesn't come from God, so those two are our problem. So the Lord is looking down from heaven. He's like, look, I want a church that is so in love with me and my word that they cannot get offended and that they can be so productive in the kingdom of God that they'll bring heaven to earth every single day. But just in this quick story, we see three ways that he could not have received healing, all because of offense. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Uh-oh. The Jews, therefore, said to him, who was cured? It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Okay, you just went through three opportunities to be offended with the Lord. He healed you. Now the religious people come to you and say, you shouldn't be carrying your bed, but I'm healed. Another opportunity for offense. Do you think that the enemy is ever going to stop trying to offend you? He's going to do it before you get saved. He's going to do it after you get saved. He's going to do it before you get healed. He's going to do it after you get healed. And we have to have a good defense system. So this is what happened. He answered them and said, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said, that to, who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn in the multitude, being in that place. 
Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see you have been made well or whole. Remember that word, whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Let's not get offended after we've been healed because then maybe some of that stuff comes back onto us. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. So then you can continue reading. I would just encourage you to go through and finish reading the whole chapter and look at all the opportunities that people had to get offended. Because after this, Jesus gets scolded for doing stuff on the Sabbath, and he could have been offended, but he, did, he wasn't. He's unoffendable, as we should be. And so you can just read through, and as you read through the scriptures, you'll start to see that there were lots of opportunities through scripture where people could be offended, and you will see a direct correlation with their offense and their productivity in the kingdom. If they're offended, they become barren. If they're unoffendable, they become the people that wrote the book. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that there are people that were unoffendable that can write a book that we can read and be transformed. And so as we look at this story, we have to understand that the enemy is out to derail you through offense every single day. And so you may be dealt with 20 of them already in this series. Maybe you've said, Lord, I've surrendered. I've gotten my quiet place with the Lord. I've forgiven those people. Maybe they're on the planet. Maybe they've went to heaven already. I, I don't know, but you've gotten it off of you. But as soon as you take it off of you, you have to understand that the enemy wants to put something back on you. And so how do we build a defense for that? People have become comfortable with being offended. And if it is an actual offense... Maybe they're comfortable with it because they don't know how to process it. That is valid. Do we understand that, everybody? If you don't know how to process an actual offense, somebody meant it to you, then it's valid that you are still offended. So we're going to talk about that in the next couple weeks. How do we actually take someone who meant us harm, who meant us to be offended, who meant to hurt us, how do we process that so that we can then become whole? But the other two... If you don't know how to process those, then it's because we're not inwardly looking at our lives to say this is where we hurt. Because the first two offenses are things that we've either imagined or were accidental by the person, but we took it as an offense. Okay? So turn with me to Acts 3. And I want to talk about what happened. So Jesus is our example, and he is a connection agent to the pool, Right? He's a connection agent to the healing that was in the pool because it was in him. So he didn't have to tell the guy, go get in the pool. He just said, get up and walk, right? Because he contains what the pool contained. Yeah. Everybody get that? Okay, so here's the thing. Greater things will you do after I'm gone because I send you the comforter. So you contain the pool. Yeah. That was a little quiet. Thank you, Gene. We contain the pool. We have the Holy Spirit who is the pool inside of us that is we now become the connection agent between the pool and the person. So whenever I talk about this pool being in Dover, it's you. And when people come in contact with you, not just the first person gets healed, all the people get healed because the pool is forever flowing in our lives. If you want it to, if you want it to flow in your life, it'll flow. 
many people don't want it to flow. And so we don't see pools of healing in a region because the pool's not open for swimming. So Acts 3, verse 1. This is Peter and John. Love these guys. Bold. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, what happened? Chapter 1, the promise of Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, receiving of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 3, the Lord doesn't waste time. Neither does the enemy. Remember. Verse 1, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Okay, now I want you to think, this guy is sort of like the other guy. He had opportunity to be offended. Now, from his birth, he had this ailment. They took him to the gate every day. Who walked through that gate about two and a half years before this? Every day. Jesus. What was Jesus doing when he was on the earth? Healing all that were sick and had problems. Do you think he might have heard about that? He might have heard about it, yes. He pretty most definitely saw Jesus walk right by him. Jesus walked by, healed other people right there, but not him. He could have been offended. I knew this would be a tough one. (laughs) He could have been offended because Jesus was healing all the people around him, but he wasn't healed. And there's people in the church today, even in this room, They could be offended with Jesus because they haven't received everything that God promised them. And fixing his eyes eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. If you're offended at somebody, do you expect to receive something good from them? We know this man is not offended with the Jesus people or with Jesus because of his statement. Can people that listen to what you say understand that you're not offended with God? We know by his words that he was not offended with Jesus or with Jesus' disciples because of the way he looked at them and talked to them. But you can walk into any building in this county and know everything that's going wrong with every church. I know I'm coming at you today, but I'm just telling you, this is why the church is impotent. Because every person talks about every pastor, talks about every church, and they can't keep their mouth shut. And what do we know? We know that they're offended with God, and we know that they're offended with man, because that's what they talk about. But I want to continue reading. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Okay. He was healed. We're going to continue reading, so don't read on. He was healed because he wasn't offended. 
He was able to receive from the Lord through the disciples everything that he had need of because he wasn't offended. But he had years and years and years that he could have been offended. So we have this opportunity all around us all the time that if we, if we allow the trip stick to go and be tripped, we walk away from healing. And I'm not just talking about your body. I'm talking about everything. How do you, you say, Pastor Rob, come on, he was healed in his body. How do you know? Let's continue reading. So he, verse 8, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. He leaped up and he went into the temple with them. So we know he's, we know he's physically better, right? Because they had to carry him there, so now he's physically better. But there's, there's this next phrase, and I'm going to speak it to you, and this has to go into your soil of your heart for you to receive this seed, and it will start producing fruit immediately. I guarantee it, but you have to be open to it because many of you have never heard this before, okay? So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Walking, leaping, and praising God. Now, walking would be a physical manifestation of a healing. So, he's not offended. He receives all that they have for him, and he begins to walk into the temple. He wasn't walking. He is walking, physically healed. Praising God. Praising God is the third one. Do you think he had a spiritual encounter in that moment, that he goes from, I'm not offended, thank the Lord he wasn't, but now he goes to, now he's praising God. He's shouting. He's saying, thank you, Lord. This is the most amazing thing ever. I think he had a spiritual healing. Now, we are three-part beings, amen? Spirit, soul, and body. Jesus never healed anyone that he didn't make whole, whole not just fixed your leg they were whole you think about the woman at the well broken emotionally completely shot <laughs> jesus comes she's changed but she's not just changed in her body she's not just changed in her spirit she's changed in her soul how do we know that? She goes right back to the city and says, there's a man out here who knows everything I ever did, knows that I am, I'm not with my husband, knows I've had all these guys. She's healed. She would have never talked like that in front of those people unless her emotions were healed. So we know, and you can go through scripture, but Jesus always healed people to be whole, not just partially healed. He doesn't just want to heal your bursitis. When he heals your bursitis, he wants to heal your mind, the way you talk about your bursitis, he wants to heal all of it, okay? So there's three parts. He was walking, and he was praising God. We, we can get those pretty good. We, we got the whole physical, and we got the whole spiritual. The thing that I think we miss as the church is the middle. He was leaping. Does that tell you anything about his emotional state? He is whole. He's not the same guy sitting there waiting for someone to give him alms. No, he's a whole new man. There's anointing on this, I'm telling you. 
we have to get into the mindset that when people come near our pool, that they're not just going to get healed physically. They're not just going to get wrecked spiritually, but they're going to get an emotional shift that will change the rest of their life. Because we carry the pool. And so it says that he walked, he leaped, and he was praising God. Now, what happens at that point? Let's keep reading. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Very interesting. They could see the physical. They could understand the spiritual. They didn't have any clue about the emotional, but he was changed. Do I need to read it again? Let's read it again because it's so good. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They didn't see him leaping because the leaping was in his emotions. He was completely whole. What God wants in this hour is a church that is whole. That understands that they have the pool. That understands that when people come around them, they're not just going to get healed physically. We can believe for that. We saw that all over Buffalo. Just walk around, pray for people. They get touched. Elbows just fixed right now. It's all amazing. But that's not all that God wanted to do in that moment. No, he wanted them to have an encounter spiritually with God. That, that way their spirit is whole. And then not only that, he didn't just want to heal the elbow and heal their spirit. He wants them to be emotionally whole. You see, I think that our expectation level is so low in the kingdom. Our expectation level is what we learn in kindergarten, in, in children's church, that we pray for people, they get healed. Yay. It's amazing. I'm not mocking that. I'm saying we pray for people, they get healed. That's great. But that's not what he wants altogether. He wants everyone to be completely whole. And because we lower our expectations about what can come through the pool, we limit it to one person. I can pray for one person. They'll be healed. No. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We're not in that, we're not in that realm we're in the realm of God is moving, he's in you, and he wants to heal everyone you come in contact with and make them all whole. And so I think that our expectation level is so low about what we can do and what God can do through us that we limit that he can even touch our emotions. We put a limit that he can't even touch our emotions. We put a limit that he can change my spirit. Yeah, I'll take a new spirit. I'll take a regenerated spirit. That's amazing. I'll get born again. But then everything else is just uh, uh, if it happens. No. Anyone that came in touch with Jesus came in touch with complete wholeness. Wholeness. Every part of them was completely changed. My question is, are you completely changed? Maybe you've been with Jesus for 50 years. Maybe you've been with him for five months. I don't know. But are you completely whole? Are you completely whole? Did you receive everything that he has for you? Or did you just receive a fire insurance ticket to get to heaven? He wants a people who are completely whole. And when you become whole, just like the woman at the well, you want to take people back to the well. You see, I don't think that evangelism is a problem in the church. I don't think that evangelism is a problem in the church. I think it's a wholeness problem. Why would you want to take somebody back to a well that's half-tainted? Church growth is not an evangelism problem. It's a wholeness problem in the church. 
And when the church becomes whole, guess what? They want to bring other people to the well. They want to bring other people to the pool because in the pool they get completely whole. So we talk about, you know, I'm in all these groups and we talk about church growth and all this. The Lord's going to grow the church. I'm not worried about it. But here's the thing. The way he's going to grow the church, at least this one, because I'm only over this one, the way he's going to do that is you becoming whole, completely whole. Not just, not just your emotions, not just your body. I mean, there's some people walking around that are perfect emotionally, right? I'm looking. <laughs> have no issues emotionally. No, there's people that are really healthy emotionally. That's amazing. But they're walking around with a gimpy knee. Or maybe they're, maybe they're the specimen of physical ability. But when they get in the car and the seat's in the wrong position, they say 17 four-letter words. But they're physically amazing. But they're emotionally a two-year-old. Or maybe you're physically great, and you're emotionally great, but you've never met Jesus. And so your spirit is all messed up. You see, he wants the trifecta in the church. He wants all those three things to come together so that whenever you get called on, whenever you're walking down the street and the pool is in you, that you can release healing to everybody. And it's not just the healing of the physical. It's not just the healing of the spiritual. It is all of it. That's what he wants from the church. You want to see a church on fire? Everybody be whole in the church. And when everybody's whole, it attracts other people that need to be whole. That is church growth. That's what builds a movement. And so it raises this question, and I'll end with this. Are you whole? Are you whole? This is an inventory time. This is an inventory time. I I radically got changed last week because I dealt with things that made me not whole. Are you willing to deal with things that are keeping you from wholeness? Because I sat down in that room and some lovely ladies helped me walk through this stuff and we're going to have that stuff around here so don't worry about it. You'll, you'll get it when it comes. But when, but, but when I sat there, there was this thought whenever I started to dig into the deeper things of life do I really want to do this? And I felt the Lord say, do you want to be made whole? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it costs. I want to be whole because in being whole, I can bring wholeness to the world around me. That's what I want more than anything. That's what you should want. That's what you should want. So I'm asking you this morning, if, if you guys would come up here, I know you're, you got stuff, you probably don't have anything planned, it's fine, whatever, but I, I just want some music going on, and, and I want you to do an inventory this morning. This is about no one else in the room. This is about you. Just like the woman at the well had a one-on-one encounter with Jesus, I've been asking the Lord that this morning, in this moment, he would stand in front of you, and he would make you whole. He would heal your heart. He would heal your emotions. He would heal your mind. Would you stand this morning? 
There is an anointing in this place right now. I'm just telling you. He wants to make you whole. The things that you've dealt with your whole life that have been just a mess for you, he wants to do it today. He doesn't want to wait any longer. He wants you to be the pool that's going to go around this city and this region and share everything. That's what he wants this morning. Would you just pray with me? Would you just just pray? Just start talking to the Lord this morning. He wants this more than you even understand in this moment. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.